Welcome to my podcast. And today I'm sitting in the castle with one of my most special guests. It's my husband, Judy. And I thought we'd just sit down and in all seriousness, with a reflective hat on, think about the legacy of a most remarkable woman, Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II, who so sadly died last month. What is most remarkable for me is that she was, of course, my husband's godmother. And unlike other people and families, he was lucky enough to know her throughout much of his life. Welcome, Geordie. And I thought people might enjoy your reflections a little bit about this remarkable woman. I know you've shared them in the Mail and some other newspapers. And, of course, her passion and knowledge of horses with something she shared so much with your beloved father. Yes, Freda, yeah, that's absolutely true. Because, well, I don't think I have any memory of it, but probably the first... Uh, my first meeting of the Queen when I was only a baby because she came to my christening. I had the honour of Her Majesty coming to my christening in Highclere Church. And that fact was one of the photos that we found the other day, wasn't it? It was it's a, r- beautiful. An amazingly sharp black and white photo with my father, my grandfather, Her Majesty. <laughs> yes, well, it was really extraordinary, to be honest. And you're this adorable little baby. Yes, well, that was, that was there <laughs> in, <laughs> in 1956, so a long way back. Um, with everyone obviously looking looking very much younger then, but no, over the over the years, it, it, the, the, there were there were sort of points or milestones in the year when when Her Majesty would come down to Milford Lake, where I was growing up with my parents and visitors, and and she'd come to see her horses, uh, mares and foals, uh, talk, talk to my father about her thoroughbred operation. And they may be uh, horses that were up at Highclere Stud here at Highclere, or just across the way at her stud at Pearlhampton at, at Kingsclere. And of course, she also had um, horses in training um, with Andrew Balding's father, Ian, in, in, in those days. So there was quite a horse connection in, 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 in this area. And I mean, I was quite a small boy, but I remember being probably at a tea party or tea at Milford Lake House when I first met Her Majesty in terms of remembering, remembering who, she, who, who she was. Maybe I would, maybe, would you think I would have done any, any, any better than our, what did, what did our Edward's little friend say when he first met me at the Queen? Oh, that was so funny. Yes, I know. Well, at a similar age, our son Edward also um, was introduced to the Queen and we were all standing out in the fields together. He had his friend Vivi, who's one of my girlfriend's daughters, Viviana. And Vivi turned to me and said, um, you know, Fiona, I thought you said the Queen was going to be here. And Her, Her Majesty was standing, you know, sort of 10 yards away, looked round. And I said, Vivi, darling, she's just over there. And Vivi said, but she's not wearing a crown. So, but, um, and the Queen, I think, was very kind. She replied saying she didn't always wear a crown outside, but she was wearing a headscarf that day to keep the wind out. No, but in, in, in a way, that, that, that tells a wonderful story of how I managed. She was such an amazing person with, with, with young people. She was always, always brilliant with, with, with children, always ask, asking, as you got older, asking the relevant things of what you were doing in your life, where your friends were, where were you, where were you heading next, interested in schools and, and topical subjects. And, and also, obviously, Prince Philip was as well. They were both two incredibly stimulating people to get around. But you, did, but you always wanted to be well on your toes and not saying something you hadn't really researched properly because the throwaway line that wasn't at all remotely correct would be picked up by Her Majesty or Prince Philip. <laughs> you might be told about, about it. But that's fair enough for young, for young people. But I think they were very 
um, um, supportive, really. But, but um, no, and, and then and then um, I was lucky enough over the years to be invited to the Queen's homes at, at um, Windsor, Sandringham, and Balmoral in, in Scotland. And in fact, the other day we were just looking at great pictures of family life up in Scotland. In fact, that was just that was before I, w- I, I was born, and when my parents were visiting Balmoral in, in, in the summer. And there was Princess Anne and Prince Charles, wasn't there? They were as out, children. Out, as children out having, having picnics. It's as, as an amazing time, as you do out on the hill in, in Scotland. And they were great occasions over, over the years, or, or when we were, went to, to Royal Ascot, even went in the, in the carriage following Her Majesty down, down the track of one of Royal Ascot days. They all have the colour and pageantry about them. And they're just things you don't ever forget. I mean, I was really honoured to be asked to be a, one of the pages of honour from when I was, between when I was about 12 and, and um, 14 or 15. And I remember the first time in the, um, when, I was, when I was holding the Queen's enormous uh, train. All so the this br- was at train. the Palace of Westminster? Yeah, the Palace of Westminster, yes. The first, it was, well, it was, the, it was opening of Parliament. And it was the first opening of Parliament, I think in 1970, that was in colour TV. Um, and I actually, you, you can go on the on the web, and you can find a very short clip that goes round and round of me uh, with the other pages of the, of the time. It was David Ogilvie, uh, Geordie Gregg's brother, and the other, <laughs> and I can't remember the other. Um, we were following behind the Queen. It's all in colour, and it's all, all all clear. I remember being a thoroughly terrifying um, Duke of Norfolk, the Earl Marshal, as it, as it, as it was there. It must must be the current Duke's uncle, I think. Who was a little bit terrifying to some more boys, and no one had told me that as you come into the House of Lords, all these trumpets would go off. So I think I was seen to be sort of jump about a few inches into the air when that happened. Did anyway, you drop the train? Well, no. Well, I think I, think I did something a bit, a bit, a bit, a bit, a bit odd. Anyway, there was that. There was the garter <laughs> ceremony and other things, and, that, and it was great to have all this incredible clothing you had to wear suddenly just for a short time and then get back again, covered in brocade and gold and a sword and all this stuff. It was all. Um, were they real swords? Yes. Well, that was a, another thing. I think there probably would, might have been something that would never be allowed nowadays. That I had a sort of vague sort of sword fight with one of the pages uh, while, while waiting to do something. That might have done us in. But anyway, it, I, th- I think it was a, an education to be a, a, around the Queen, both in very formal constitutional state occasions, and then in a very much more relaxed mode when, when Her Majesty was in the countryside doing what she loved with horses or her dogs or coming out. Uh, here with game shooting when she would use her dogs to, to pick up birds and she was an enormous supporter of farming and, and, and the countryside and conservation as of course uh, Prince Philip and, and, and um, now King Charles today and, and these are really Im- important things for people who are working on the land to have that much support from the, the monarch of the time and she as a, in terms of, un- of, of animals she just really had this affinity with both dogs and, and horses, and really understood the horse and the breeding of the thoroughbreds and had an encyclopedia knowledge about it. You could ever catch Majesty out on knowing something about racing and who won which race in what year and who the parents were of the horse. Quite amazing, to be, to be honest. Geordie, I know your father met the Queen, Princess Elizabeth as she was, when they were both youngsters and probably at tea parties again, back to afternoon tea. But... Um, and then, of course, he was one of the young men, all of whom were in uniform with Princess Elizabeth and Princess Margaret, when they ran round the streets of London in 1945 celebrating VE Day. But, of course, it was a little bit later that, in a sense, the, um, the friendship over the breeding and training of racehorses developed. 
Do you want to? Can you tell me a little more, little bit more about that? Yes, I mean, my my my, my father would have originally met Her Majesty as as, as a both going to. to Tea parties, but probably around about 1930, 1931 or two or, two or so. And then, and then as, as, as Fiona mentions, there was the, the famous evening in May 1945, Yi Day, when in, in a version of sort of mufti in uniforms and scarves and the rest of it, they all charged around the streets of London just after Churchill uh, and the Queen's father, George VI, had been on the Buckingham Palace balcony. Can you imagine it must have been the most amazing feeling with all the crowds and all the joyous rejoicing at the end of this appalling war? But then um, later on, as, 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 they, as they were, were friends and very much uh, fascinated fascinated by the whole progress of the thoroughbred horse and how the breeding and racing was going to be improved. Um, they both shared the same passion for that. And in the late 60s, 70s, my father became a Majesty's racing manager. So he was advising her on, on the whole breeding operations from which mares to, to keep or, 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 or to move on, uh, which stallions to make them the mares with, uh, horses going to which trainers, because she, she had uh, um, Ian Balling and then... And then um, um, Dick Hearn as well, and then Richard Hannan, and then and then Richard Richard, Richard Hannan, William Hastings passed for for a while before he decided not not to, to continue, um, and, and so um, um, the, 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 my father really besides everything else he was doing, he, he he devoted quite a bit of time to helping and managed to really bring on her whole breeding operation, and of course there were new views on bringing in separate bloodlines from this country from abroad from from America, um, and finding the best mares. And, and applying the best um, veterinary science to everything, and my father was very much invo- involved in that because he was a, he was part of of, of bodies in in, the, in Newmarket uh, linked to vets and proving different science and different aspects of horses and breeding. Um, and then actually, didn't he introduce some new pattern races as well? Well, uh, he, 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 one of the the, the, the jobs he did. Um, you know, after the war, was was to help develop the whole European system of group races for for better horses, the Group One, Two, Three races that that were that horses from all these countries could 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 run in, and so I think that that was a part of re, rebuilding that element of life on the continent after the terrible war, bringing people to, together again, and the Queen was very much. Uh, supportive of that role and in fact probably the cherry on the on the cake in that area for her was when High Clear won the Prix de Diam which is the French Oaks at, at Chanty the crowd were evidently went, went as wild as it had ever been for any winner mm. they were so pleased that, that, that um, La, La Reine was, was, won the, won the, won the, she um, the spoke race. fantastic she, French she spoke, as well didn't she she spoke perfect um, mm. um, French so, so, so that was a, a very joyous occasion on, on, the, on that day. It but she just, loved, I think, from what yeah. I gathered, which is obviously a much shorter acquaintanceship, which I've been lucky enough to have with Her Majesty, she loved the process by watching a foal being born, the mating plans and the foal being born and the growth and the enjoyment of the foal, bringing the foal into the world, and then your hopes with it. So it wasn't just the horses on the track, it was the whole... Development, unless I'm mistaken, from when you first. It was the whole development the in a sort of micro way, which I, which well, no, we try and do today here, here, here at High Which I love. You, I love. You, you do perhaps get a bit over attached to them as, as, as pets before they even may even become a, a racehorse, or even when they are, because you remember the process right from the whole from, from the from the beginning. But it also it's all surrounding the, the attachment to the land and the grass and the crops that they grow around it because neither us nor the horses can survive without farming. 
and, and everything everything is is entwined and and and, and linked together and I know that, that both Her Majesty and across Prince Philip, they love the wild element of the land up at Balmoral on the moors, the hills, the locks. And it was always great to be um, out on one of those picnics because, of course, the, the Queen and Prince Philip were fantastic barbecue picnic organisers, chefs and everything <laughs> else. And they're very, very good at it. So I think Prince Philip could have, could have, maybe he did write a book on how to do barbecue picnics. And I'm not sure about that, but he certainly qualified as a top chef in it. And Her Majesty would qualify as the most amazing organiser of the, of the site, the layout, everything there, how it was all going to be put and everyone's going to have a good time. So um, um, they, those were all amazing occasions, really. I think the photographs that I've found, what I love is, is it's that moment in time, the fleeting expression on someone's face, which isn't posed for a photograph. It's just that moment in time of being out in the countryside, which are incredibly special to have here in the archives here as a, as a memory of this amazing lady who sadly passed and also of your parents, Geordie. You know, it's, I remember when I was first met the Queen here and you had just said to me at sort of tea time, by the way, we're going up to supper with your parents and the Queen will be there. So I didn't have much time to think about anything, which is always good, as usual here, in at the deep end. And we had such a wonderful dinner, just the five of us together, which I, I will never forget some of the honours that I have been lucky enough to be part of. So there's also all the bloopers I've made, like the horses. Do you remember that at Windsor? Well, you gave the carrot. We were lucky enough to have gone riding with a medicine, and then there was carrots laid on to give the horse ponies or horse at the end, and you gave it to the wrong one. <laughs> well, there were four <laughs> black hindquarters facing me, and I thought, oh, my goodness. So actually, I decided to go in a slight panic stations between two of them. In the, on that way, I kind of cut down my risk of being entirely wrong. So I had narrowed it down to 50%, which was right. But then on the other hand, I gave the carrot to your horse and the Queen immediately set me straight. But um, it was honestly such an honour. And I remember riding around thinking, must stay in control and mustn't overtake the Queen. But um, I'm sure she's a far, far better rider than I in any case. But it was a huge. Well, year, years ago, I was I, I was lucky enough to ride the wonderful ceremonial horse that, that had been um, lent to, to President Reagan. Wow! earlier on, but they they because they're they're great, gloriously big big horses, but they're they're well they work very well 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 trained. But it's just an honour to be with Her Majesty around the edges of, of the river at Windsor and the castle. You just you just have those memories and, and you don't um, forget them. I think the other thing to say about the Queen was that more. Uh, sort of ceremonial things where there was a lot of people at a reception or that kind of thing. She was all, always brilliant about gathering people in and, and asking them to join in and talk and come and be part of things. It was never wanted to get some, feel someone was left out in, in any way. And that applied to, to all ages. So she was really very good at, get, at getting people into a conversation and a feeling that they were really part of the event that was happening always. And we were obviously met when she came, sadly, and in some ways... It was a great honour for her to come to your ma's funeral. And she was so switched on and so full of conversation that um, never missed the trick, even if she was slightly older. I hope I have, I keep half her mind <laughs> as I grow older. She was completely on the ball. And then, of course, you fortunately could see her briefly at the Chelsea Flower Show. Well, that was the last time I said very few words 
to, to, to the Queen because she was going around Chelsea this year back in, in, in May, normal time. In a Two little, or three months before she started. In, in a, golf, um, a golf, golf buggy. We were looking at a couple of roses we were, we were showing for, for the Highclere roses for future sales of Highclere. And she waved very kindly, just said a few things and then, and then passed on. But I mean, that lets you, the great thing about Imagine was, was that she just remembers and, 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 says, and says hello, you know. And last year, um, we sponsored a race at Salisbury, and her filly her won it. Yes, it was great. <laughs> we sponsored it with Highclere Castle Gin. Well, that was an excitement, and I sent her a bottle. I got a charming letter back not long afterwards saying how, how much she'd enjoyed that and how exciting it was for the new filly to have won the race and wishing us luck with everything. And I thought, you know, for, for someone, I mean, obviously, she was 95 then. And, and everything ever written as if, it, as if it was someone who was 25. So, I mean, I, it was incredible, really. It is extraordinary. And then I've been lucky enough to stay with you at Sandringham a couple of times, and I do remember again the fact that although it was January, we'd always go out to one of the lodges to have a kind of picnic half in and half out, a barbecue in the evening cooked by Prince Philip, and then driving back at breakneck speed, being driven back by the Queen at some speed through the lanes, Geordie. You must have been driven by her quite a few times, I'd imagine. I think she just knew the, all the areas around her own estate so well that, that she was a... I mean, she was quite quite a, a competent and a reasonably fast driver, but of course, if, we forget that it's been discussed recently. That was one of her first ever jobs of learning what to do was to, was 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 in car mechanics during the, during the, uh, the war. So I expect she knows much more about the innards of the engine and the drive shaft of a Land Rover than I do. So, so, so. <laughs> but I think your father also learned how to be a car fitter, wasn't he? He did a bit of that as well, yeah. because it was part of being able to make sure your armoured cars kept working as, as in the Blues and Royals in the, in the, in the war. So but, but I think um, between them, they could have probably got, got things going. There was occasion once on some steep hill in Balmoral, one of the shafts of the Land Rovers went... Um, they knew what to do, but I think we all had to abandon that one and walk home because you couldn't really fix it on a steam gradient. <laughs> anyway. But I'm not sure that would have worried them either, actually. You've been a good walk in time for tea. Good walk in time for tea, and if you're on the moor and you know, high up in Scotland, the way, to, way back down is to follow the river. Oh, right. <laughs> and, of course, tea, whenever you were lucky enough to be asked to stay, was quite a great occasion, wasn't it? I think it was one of Her Majesty's meals she, she enjoyed the most because because she just loved all the layout of all the different things in it. Even though the Queen was never would never been a one to overindulge in any way because she always had the most perfect figure for all, all her life. But she just loved the idea of everyone sitting round that time of day, enjoying an, an old-fashioned English afternoon tea, which for, for which for most of us would would have been a, a, a rarity. And it, and it was just a special occasion, really. There was such a choice of different delicious tidbits to eat, too. So it was um, completely scrummy. And also it was less formal seating, wasn't it? Yes, it was not, not quite the same as, as, a, as, a, as a dinner or the, or, or the lunch. But again, it was, it, it was part of, of bringing people together. Mm. And some of them might not have been around earlier, and then you were meeting some, 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 someone new. And I, and I think... You know, all, all the Queen's life and all her proper ceremonial role as a constitutional monarch, she was just very good at engaging in conversation and communication of people and bringing people together who may or not necessarily have always been keen to communicate and talk, but they, but they did with the Queen. So that's fantastic for, for building diplomatic relations, building communication around the world. I mean, no, she was 
our queen, but in many ways she did amazing jobs for all the people of the world. And she knew, I think it was, is it 13 or 14 American presidents? I never quite know the one, right. It's one of those, one of those <laughs> figures. I mean, we did, we, when we were looking at that extraordinary photograph, what was it, 1952? When, yes, President, President Eisenhower, Eisenhower came, came to, to Balmoral. Stay at, at Balmoral. And, and my father must have been, my parents, well, it wouldn't have been my mum then, but she didn't even know my father then. <laughs> so my son, father must have taken it. <laughs> well, there's some extraordinary photographs. Yeah. Mm. Perhaps it was like he had a new camera or something and was trying it out. But they are wonderful to have, really, really special. I was also um, thinking that, Geordie, obviously you've, you're now taking out more time to enjoy the breeding of your horses. And one of your mares is in Folter's study of man, isn't that right? Yes, a study of man, father, is, is, is deep impact, a very important stallion. That, that actually went to Japan as a stallion but, and was very successful. But the key thing about him is that he goes back to high clear of the mare here that my father helped um, Her Majesty breed one of, my, one of the Queen's best ever horses. And Heikler's father was Queen Cesar, who was my grandfather's stallion. So that was wonderful. But Heikler was actually owned by the Queen, wasn't yes, it? Yes, was, owned, was owned, owned by the Queen. And, and then there was another one called, called Berkeley, and it goes all the way down the line to Deep Impact. And then this study of man who was a very big success in France. And I have this very large filly who maybe with success too but she's at the moment she's just gambling happily in the field yes she's rather lovely i mean we nicknamed her valen was that valentina i've forgotten yes, her name now so. yes. but what she's and she's got a real name what was her real name can you remember that kaya kaya a goddess a goddess okay yes. well <laughs> goddess is always useful but I, I hope she will run quite fast but she looks absolutely lovely she's quite determined already isn't she well, she's b- bigger than her two friends. <laughs> so she pushes them around a bit. <laughs> uh, but they all have very individual characters, as, 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 we, um, as we all do. And, you, and when you're around them and handling them and feeding them, looking after them, you get to know them. And I think that, that was all that kind of aspect of, of working with horses that, that the Queen enjoyed so much. Really. It was. And then just turning briefly to the dogs, because obviously I grew up with a little spaniel, Dotty Lottie or Lottie, and I knew that you had known a lovely spango called Mango, which was yes, a well, the, the, the queen from the queen. had a wonderful keeper and breeder of, of, of working, retrieving dogs, Mr Meldrum. Mm-hmm. And, and he, um, um, from his, from his business, has produced um, this wonderful dog called Sandringham Mango. And, and Mango was a, was a wonderful cocker spaniel who was trained to the degree he was practically a circus dog in terms of how you could um, 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 control him and my father thought he was absolutely amazing he basically was my father's dog for some years here and thus that was why that given our not so well trained spaniel Lottie (laughs) and Mango is why I decided to acquire Rosie from our own keeper Eddie and Rosie, the Cocker Spaniel, arrived as a Christmas present for you and Eddie on Christmas Day many years ago. But in a sense, to keep the enthusiasm of the Spaniels within our own home. Because every day with a Spaniel is such a new and exciting day. And they're such optimistic dogs, aren't they? They are. They're always charging about looking for the next exciting thing, whether they're any good at retrieving or not. They're certainly um, characters who, who want to have a, have a great time every day. Yes, and I think by that you're telling me that, quite rightly, none of our spaniels retrieve to any extent like mango, and um, probably are slightly 
naughtier like Lottie, although they do mostly come back when they're called. And rather than sleeping outside, they prefer to sleep in our bedroom. <laughs> but never mind. Evie, if Evie's not in our bedroom, she makes quite a scene about it. So she is a bit of a princess Evie, actually. I thank you, Geordie, for reminiscing. And I just thought it's a wonderful way of recording the stories and the memories that you have of an extraordinary childhood with one of the most extraordinary ladies, women, leaders, who we will ever have known and for whom we have all known throughout all of our lives because very few people would necessarily today remember her father, King George VI, as well. And and I think we can just say long live the new king, Charles III. And I'm sure he's very well aware and will take up his mother's mantle in the countryside as well as with his other thoughts and leadership. Yes, well, Prince Charles, now King Charles, has been an incredibly strong supporter of, of preserving the environment and mm-hmm. traditional way, ways of life in, in, in the countryside. And I'm sure, as King, will, will continue that, that support. He, he may not be able to spend as much time on all the things he was involved in because it's different role mm-hmm. as King rather than the Prince of Wales. But I'm sure Prince William will take up many of those himself. And so I'm sure, yes. I'm sure the, the wish to help preserve, conserve the environment, the countryside for, for all our futures will be, will be part of both generations of the royal family. Well, on that note, I just want to say thank you so much for sitting with me here today. And I hope everyone listening has enjoyed this podcast. Thank you.